The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. And I am joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. We were just saying off air how much we secretly love the bye week. Obviously, we love Eagles football, but it can be a a long season, actually, when you're watching every play a lot. Um, I also think it's quite nice because it just gives you a chance to sort of reflect. I sort of love the fact that Eagles bye is bang in the middle of the year this year. Um, I think it'll be really helpful for the coaches. And what I guess we tried to do, we spoke about what could we do on this episode. It's sort of the idea that I just imagine coaches sitting down, all the players are off relaxing and coaches probably never relax. And they're sitting in the room and they're staring at the facts and they're looking at every game this year and they're trying to think about what can we do? So that's what I've sort of written about this week and we thought we'd try and discuss today. So we're going to try and imagine that we're in the meeting room as much as we can. I tried to predict what I think the coaches are going to be talking about. So what I think are the Eagles' strengths, weaknesses, and then maybe just some questions. And like always, we haven't really got a plan for this. We're just going to rock for the argument and a rock for the article, I should say. And then, as always, we've probably got loads of thoughts that we haven't said before on the pod. Some we've probably said, but in not much detail as we'd like. So, yeah, it should be a good one. I think it's the perfect time to do this. And what will be really cool is if some of the things we say actually come to fruition this weekend or Monday night. And we actually see that the Eagles are trying to correct their mistakes because our new new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, halfway through the season, there's lots of things I expect to be wrong. But I do think now we need to start seeing some of the corrections. And if we're still talking about the same problems in a month, then I'm a little bit concerned that those issues are more long term than maybe I would like them to be. Yeah, so we're sort of doing a mid-season recap review, trying to cast ourselves into the coach's chair and talk about the changes, the things we would be focusing on on this bye week at Johnny has two great articles up on bleeding green nation. He did a full mid season offense review and a mid season defense review. Those are going to sort of be our, uh, that's our guide as we go through. It's our roadmap as we go through this episode. So uh, if you're interested in some of the things you hear us say here, be sure you go check out his work on bleeding So let's dive into it, Johnny. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. 
uh, as you watched back games over the bye week, uh, take me through some of the top things you were seeing on offense, and we'll just kind of go through it here point by point. Yeah, that sounds good. We could link the first two together, really, because they're all about the quarterback. So um, I was a Jalen Hurts doubter, if you want to say, about two years ago. Um, as I think a lot of people who watch a lot of film were, I can remember a lot of clips that I saw where I just wasn't happy. And there was always one that stood out, and I tweeted it out, actually. Um, or I put in the article, it was a clip from about 2021 where Hertz just bailed from empty pockets. And it was something that he did consistently. And it wasn't a one-off. And I always think anyone can post a clip on Twitter and say, oh, so-and-so does that. But it was a consistent problem with Hertz. I mean, if you happen to be watching the this on YouTube or you've read the article, when you watch that clip, it, it almost looks like a different quarterback. Like it's he's so frantic in the pocket. The way he moves, he, he almost looks like a different player. I think the number one thing when you look at the offense this year is just how much he's improved in the pocket. And I said this before on the podcast, I'm a bit of an old school QB lover. Like I love the out of structure plays. Of course I do, but I definitely learned sort of about the NFL in the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning era, listening to people like Greg Cosell talk about being a pocket quarterback. And that's where my heart still is. I want to see quarterbacks who can win from the pocket first and foremost. And the development that Hurst has had, it just opens up everything for the offense because it means they can branch out to more fulfilled reads. It means they can run different concepts. They're not stuck running the same things over and over again. And the pocket presence has just improved hugely. Um, and that goes hand in hand, I think, with the processing speed. So the other thing I've really noticed about Jalen Hurts of late was how much quicker he has sped up his speed. Um, it was not that long ago that we were talking about the fact he could not throw over the middle of the field. And that was not just a fluke that was by design the Eagles offense was deliberately scripted to throw outside the numbers because it's easier you can basically run two by two sets you can run three by one sets you can make it very easy for a quarterback to just read one or two uh man concepts on one side of the field or you can say if it's zone go to the left if it's man go to the right read one to two and run or simply throw it to the first read and if he's not open run um, and now they're processing so so much better and you can see on the film as well we've spoke a lot about concepts uh, like crash of late um, but you can just see that he's so much quicker with the football I don't know what his exact time to throw how much it's improved over the past few years um, I know there's loads of other factors that go into that but when you watch it the thing that stands out to me is just the improvement from the pocket and I think that, go, that goes hand in hand with the processing I think the game that stood out to me more than any other game in that sense was the Bucks playoff game when I really lost faith in Hertz because he didn't see the field world at all and the Eagles offense was so basic everything was outside the numbers there were so many plays where there was nothing in the middle of the field he couldn't eliminate what wasn't what was not there he was staring down things too long when there was pressure he bailed early that game was like a uh, if you were to ask me what the problems of Jalen hurts i would say just go and watch the bucks playoff game and if you had held a gun to my head and said do you want to replace your quarterback after that game i'd have been 55 percent, yes if not higher like i was sort of out on him is I don't think he's ever going to get to that level. And now I think he is firmly at that level. I think he's quite firmly, even without his mobility, just a really, really, really good quarterback from the pocket. And as a coaching staff, as Nick Sirianni, as an organization, I think that's without a doubt the biggest strength I have seen this year. Um, is there anything you think I missed on Hurts there or anything that you would take issue with or are we pretty similar? Yeah, pretty similar. And I think you you just point at these last few games where his mobility has been gone. And we've talked about it on here before, but Jalen hurts of 2021 would have been toast without his mobility because it was a one read and get out of the pocket 
sort of approach from Hertz. And now I don't think people fully appreciated his growth as a passer until these last few games when just running wasn't an option because it is hard to differentiate, especially watching broadcast film, which is what, you know, 98% of our listeners are probably looking at and basing their opinions off of. It's hard to tell like, oh, well, Hertz bailed from this pocket, but it was good. And he bailed this time and it was bad. It's hard to assess that out without being able to see downfield. But when you put on the all 22, you can see that like he's leaving And there. That is not to say there's not instances where he still gets it wrong, but generally he's leaving the pocket with a purpose and for reasons. And that's become especially evident his growth there in the last few games where he hasn't had that scrambling ability. And so he's just for better or for worse, always been in the pocket and the way that you can see his development. I think the most impressive thing for me hurts last year to this year is actually how he's done against the blitz. I mean, last year blitzing was the way to kill the Eagles and we saw the Eagles not have answers for it. The Cardinals game where it was just throwing screen after screen after screen. Cause you just couldn't get anything you wanted. And this year the Eagles have so much better answers for the blitz from Dallas Goddard, these little hitch routes to, uh, the quick, the double slants to AJ Brown and Devonta Smith to running back checkdowns, which I know we'll get to in a minute, uh, to Max protecting against the blitz and taking your shots downfield. Like their answers to the blitz have been better, and that's the biggest thing I think Hertz has improved in from last year to this year. Yeah, the blitz is something I probably should have put in the article, but I did say it's in the article that I could have gone for hours on this piece. Like there's a lot of things I could have done. I think sequencing of plays has got better. I think game planning is really strong on offense against the blitz is a big one. Um, there's a really good example. I remember about three years ago, I remember I remember such random plays. And I remember posting it because Jalen Hurts had, I think I put in my tweet, something about, uh, do you care about process or do you care about results? And he had a wide open receiver. He didn't throw it. Then he scrambled around, made a ridiculous 12-yard play and picked up the first down on third and eight. And I remember everyone live going, oh my goodness, that's an insane play. And I remember watching it and thinking, like, I'm really negative, but you just cannot win like that. That's not a consistent way of living down to down. And I think Justin Fields has sort of highlighted that this year as well to an extent. And you look at the development actually of Hurts and Lamar, it proves how much uh, better these quarterbacks can get as they get older a little bit. Um and I think I just don't see that really ever with Hurts. Like when Hurts runs, I'm pretty confident it's because nobody's open. It's very rare that you turn on the U22 and you see, oh, it's clearly a double slant. Oh, he's the slant's wide open. Oh, he's not thrown it and he's run. When he runs, it's because it's as good as he is, it's still a secondary option. Unless it's something like a QB draw or something. I'm talking about an out structure play. He is a pocket quarterback first, scrambler second. And that is the way it has to be because um essentially you cannot live with your quarterback scrambling 10 12 13 14 15 times a game for a number of different reasons um but it's also less productive if you've got a wide open receiver you could get more yards off the catch you could hit him down the field and i remember that play really well because i remember getting a lot and there was a lot of people who always argued against me or jalen hurts i'm very much used to that i've gone from a full skeptic to a full believer online and i remember people saying yes but it's the result that matters and i was almost like for a young quarterback i don't care about the result i care about the process and the process that Hurts plays with now, uh, I just feel incredibly comfortable with him as a quarterback. And it's not just Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson. It's the previous year as well um, with Shane Steichen. I think everyone in that building deserves a huge amount of praise because I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think he's just a very, very good NFL quarterback. Um, what I would say is that I think 
we are learning more and more about the value of elite wide receiver play in the NFL and not taking anything away from Jalen Hurts. But the other big issue, the other big point I raised with the success with the offense is just AJ Brown has gone on another level. He's gone from a very good possible elite receiver to one of the best, if not the best in the league. And I think we're starting to realize more and more that wide receiver play is incredibly important. I do find it pretty amazing that Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown were both traded um, and their teams did not pay them. And they've, probably gone on to be the best one to punch in terms of the best uh, first and second receiver in the NFL. So I think you can't underestimate the fact that AJ Brown has made Jalen Hurts better. And I don't think that's a criticism saying that he's made him better. And you can very much make an argument that he wouldn't be the same player he would he is today without AJ Brown. But I don't mind that. That's fine. That's part of football. You have good players. You need to find, learn how to use players. People didn't criticize Patrick Mahomes because Tyreek Hill was. And think about Patrick Mahomes, by the way. You had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That's about as good as it could possibly get from a wide receiver tight end perspective. So I think that's the other really good thing about the Eagles offense this year is it's not just they've got the weapons, but they know how to use them as well. They do full speed AJ Brown. Most of the time he gets double digit targets. They line him up in different positions. It's not just what I'm seeing, unfortunately, with an offense like the Jags at the moment, who have no idea how to use Calvin Ridley because they're not playing to his strengths. I think AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are really good, but most of the time we play towards their strengths as well. And I think that's a big reason why Hurts has taken the next step forward, and also a big reason why the offense in general has just been very productive this year. Yeah, uh, on the pressure point, you look at the splits for Jalen Hurts under pressure last year versus this year. Uh, he's been pressured on 8% more of his dropbacks, uh, but his completion percentage last year when under pressure was 45%. This year it's 55%. Uh, his yards per attempt has gone from 5.5 to 7.6. He's throwing the ball two yards further downfield on these plays. His big-time throw rate has almost doubled, which is a PFF stat. Uh, and if you like PFF stats, uh, his uh, offensive grade when under pressure moved from a 56.8 to a 71.7. Uh, you look at his quarterback rating, which isn't necessarily a great indicator either, but it's a data point. It went from 66.3 to 92.1. And so... Hertz has been so much better under pressure. His pressure to sack rate, uh, what percentage of those pressures turn into sacks is down from 20 to 16%. He just does such a much better job navigating the pocket. And again, this comes where a good portion of this year, he hasn't had those movement skills that he's had in the past. And yet he's learning to navigate the pocket better. Uh, that bodes great for the Eagles moving forward. Yep, and I'll give you two more strengths, then we'll look at some weaknesses and some questions. Um, I spoke a lot about this, actually, so I'm going to give myself some credit because I wrote an article before the season called Previewing the Eagles Offense, and one of the questions I posed was, where can the Eagles offense get better? And the exact answer I said was, I want to see the Eagles use a lot more angle or choice or Texas routes with the back, as 49ers did with CMC last year, for example, this is a new thing I think we could see Swift win in Swift with win in particular. And I think I pretty much nailed that because I think the one of the biggest change, and I think it could be the biggest change. If someone said, what is the number one thing this year? It's that the upgrade from Swift or from Sanders to Swift in the passing game is huge. Miles Sanders was a terrible receiving back. And I actually think Miles Sanders was underrated as a runner. This year has been a bit of a disaster for him, but that often happens when running backs get paid, sadly. But he had 20 receptions last year for 78 yards. And he played in nearly every single game. 
So he is a non-factor. 78 yards over a season for a starting running back who was a bell cow back for the Eagles. It's almost hard to be that low. Like you'd think naturally you just catch two for 20 four or five times a season just from simply being on the field for 70% of the snaps or whatever. So DeAndre Swift has got 30 receptions already, which is 10 more than Miles Sanders, and he's had a lot less snaps. And he's already nearly doubled his yardage of 155 yards. None of that's explosive, but I think that's a huge, huge addition to the Eagles offense, especially when Hertz is immobile at the moment, because I almost see it as an extension as a running game. We spoke about that in the past. I think it should make their screen game better. I think there's a whole section of the offense, and these are really hard to do well. The 49ers with Christian McCaffrey are brilliant at this, where I know a lot of people call them choice routes on Madden. Um, I think they're called choice. Some people call them option. There's hundreds of ways of calling the same play, but basically you run a very short route. The running back either turns around, faces the quarterback and catches it on a hitch, or he goes out if the defender's got inside leverage, or he goes in if the defender's got outside leverage. And you can basically run it all the time. Like, I mean, it's almost, it's almost unstoppable if you're really good at it. Think Tom Brady, Wes Welker. Think Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. This kind of, it's not even really a designed route. It's just a quarterback's feel for receiver. And I've just got a feeling that Swift and Hurts are, are going to keep going from strength to strength. And I think that will help them against the blitz. I think Swift has shown that he's so, so agile in the short receiving game. And I think that's probably up there with as anything that I've seen this year. It's the thing I'm most optimistic about where it's going to go. Um, I think that's it for my strengths for this year, basically. Uh, as much as we met, I did mention the blitz, but you've thrown it in there very nicely. Before we get on to maybe some things we think we can improve with the offense, anything else you want to add? Anything that I didn't mention or you go? Anything at all? Yeah, on, on the running back game, uh, you mentioned the yardage. Uh, the Eagles are on pace to have 510 yards receiving from the running backs this season, which is more than Quez Watkins and Zach Pascal combined for last year. And I know the running game hasn't been good the last few weeks, and we're going to talk about that. But this is an extension of the running game. It's a way to get the ball in your running back's hands in space uh, past the line of scrimmage, which is ideally what you want. And so I like that they've been able to do that. It also puts so much more stress on a defense vertically. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about four verticals and using it to beat uh, any coverage. And four verticals is easy to stop if all you have to do is play 20 yards off the line of scrimmage and keep a roof on everything. But now when you have the running back running the little hitch route, all of a sudden you're stretching that defense and you you generate holes in the defense. And so I think it's really important that they're throwing to running backs um, especially if they're not able to get the run game going, it, it protects hurts and the way that don't underestimate the way that it's able to stretch a defense vertically. Some of these balls that AJ Brown gets one-on-one is because they're willing to throw the five yard pass over and over and over again to Deandre Swift. And so I think that's been a huge development this year. And again, like I said, 510 yards receiving, that doesn't sound like a ton. It's more than your wide receiver three and four combined for last year it's only 180 yards less than Dallas Goddard had last season so the Eagles are using that a lot and it's been really successful yeah I think just a very quick scheme put on that as well I think you get a lot of teams that will try and take away the deep shot against the Eagles and they will play a lot of cover two um, or cover four two high safeties and you'll also get a lot of um, linebackers that drop into the intermediate zones very quickly because Eagles run a lot of intermediate high lows they like to run a lot of like drive, whatever concepts you want to call them, um, crash or a particular dagger. 
And I think those choice routes are really good off play action as well, because linebackers are almost taught to see the play action, get depth as quick as they can. And it sounds really simple, but you can just leak the running back out there and hit him for five, six yards. And I think if you can consistently do that, I think it just adds another area or another way that the Eagles offense can win. Speaking of other areas, I think they could win. The Eagles offense has not been perfect this year. We have banged on about this a lot, so we're not going to go into huge, huge, huge depth. But when I was researching some of the numbers for this article, the, I said to you off air, this stat stands out more than anything to me. The Eagles last year ranked first in gap scheme and success rate. Um, we might talk a little bit about the difference between gap and zone in a minute. I like to think of it as just you're attacking a gap. So you're attacking a certain part of defense, whereas a zone running game is much more about attacking a certain area or space, shall we say. But we'll go in some of the specifics in a second. But the Eagles ranked first, not in plays ran from, I mean, success rate. So based on however, whatever metric I use, whether it was EPA, I assume, but they were number one in success rate. They are 27th this year. That is an incredibly big decline when you'd have to say the offensive line is just as good. The running back is better. There's more running backs. It's almost incredible to go from first to 27. And I think the biggest reason is, is because they're just not doing a lot of it. So it's easy to look at the QB counter game last year. We saw a lot of QB counter bash. Um, we saw a lot of counter read. There was a lot of stuff that Hertz was heavily involved in. But we also saw stuff like dart, like tackle trap. It's just not in the playbook currently. And I don't know the exact reason why, because I know that Hertz obviously is less mobile, but they're still running a ton of zone read inside zone or outside zone. So it's not just about Hertz mobility. They just don't seem to really choose to run it. It seems to be a choice. I would guess it's something to do with DeAndre Swift being a significantly better zone runner than he is a gap scheme runner because gap scheme is a bit more get your head down. If the gap's small, stick through it. You might pick up a few yards if you fall forward. Zone is much more, you've got you've got a lot more options. You've got a lot more freedom. Um, you need a lot more, you need better vision in some ways, but it also means that if something's not working, you haven't got a charge through like a Derek Henry would you can sort of slow it down, pause, and try and bounce it outside. Um, so it's possible it's to do with DeAndre Swift, um, which I think it is. But it's pretty incredible that we've gone from 1st to 27th. And I could talk about the gap scheme all day, and I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll just say one thing very quickly, that a lot of the best NFL running teams are currently running gap scheme. And it's because the whole idea of a zone running game, if you picture a zone running game in your head, think of how many times the Eagles have done this. You want to get your offensive line to the second level. That is the whole purpose of a zone running game. Think how many times you see Jason Kelsey get to the second level. Well, what teams are doing now is they're running a lot of five or even six-man fronts with edge defenders coming up on the line of scrimmage. The Eagles do this all the time. And it basically leads to one-on-ones. And it means it's really hard to get to the second level. And it really does shut down the zone running game. We've looked at people like Sean McVay, Carl Shanahan, who were basically just running zone for a long period of time are now running a lot more gap scheme. And I can't help but feel like the Eagles cannot, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe are they, they are that good and when Hurts is back, but I can't help but feel like they're not going to rely all year on a dominant running game that is just inside zone, outside zone. I feel like regardless of Hurts' health, there needs to be an element of the running game that's different. And I can't help but look at darts, which as I said, I call tackle trap, something to do with counter that they have to add another element to this offense. Um, is there any reasons that you else can think about why the gap scheme number has gone down so much? Or do you share my view? It's possibly running back related. Yeah, I think so. Um, so when you think about philosophically, when you think about uh, zone schemes versus gap schemes, just so the listeners have an idea what we're talking about. When you think zone scheme, 
the offensive line is all flowing the same direction with, with the exception of like split zone where you have the tight end on the kickout block. But at the snap, they're all sort of moving at like 45 degree angles, like the direction the play is going to flow. And the idea is, you know, if you're covered up, you block that guy and you just sort of take him, you stretch the play out. If you're not covered up by a defender, you get that double team like Johnny talked about, and then you climb to the second level and tag a linebacker. And with zone schemes, the idea is like the running back's just going to find the hole, right? You, if you put water in a bucket that has a hole in it, the water's just going to run out the hole. That's the idea with a zone running scheme for a running back. It's all about your, your vision, right? Your, the play is stretched out eyes downfield, then you find your hole and you hit it, that one-cut style of running. Gap is more where you, you have a responsibility. The offensive line is going to attack. You're generally going to have, like, pullers in, in gap schemes. And so you think of, like, uh, you know, Cam Jurgens blocking down on the defensive tackle to allow Jason Kelsey to pull out in front. That's more of a gap idea. And with that, the offense has the gap they're trying to attack established in advance and it's less about vision it's more about lower the shoulder lower your head run with power through the hole and i don't i don't think that's that's rashad penny's game i mean if we're being honest that's not what deandre swift deandre swift has really good vision right he's shifty uh whereas you have someone like penny who's more of a downhill runner and so you're right uh across the board zone running is not as effective as it once was for the reasons you talked about you know the eagles run uh, nickel three three five, but they've got their two linebackers standing up outside the tackle. So it's essentially a five man front that makes it really hard to get to the second level. You're essentially playing one on one ball. If one person gets beat, you need all five offensive linemen to win. If one of them loses, the play's dead. Versus with gap schemes, you don't need everybody to win. You need the guys concentrated on that hole to win, and you can create a crease to get yardage. And so, I would like to see the Eagles. And they're so they've got so many guys that are so good at pulling. You can get Jason Kelsey, Cam Jurgens, Jordan Mylot. Really, everybody except Landon Dickerson is like really, really good at pulling. And it's not that Landon Dickerson can't do it. I would like to see some more creativity in the running game rather than I mean, right now the Eagles run inside zone, outside zone, split zone. That's pretty much the whole running game. And I think they need to flesh that out. Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens if Hurts um sort of gets back to full health because a lot of the gap scheme scuff that they did last year was revolving him. So we saw a lot of like counter bash, which is still my favorite concept in the world. It just, it feels like it's missing something. and I'm not entirely sure what it's missing, but there's something that needs to be added to the run game um, because at the moment it's quite basic. Um, we have spoken about it a lot, so I won't go on too much about the run game, but it does feel like if they're going to use Rashad Penny, it's we're going to see it soon. Um, a really final thing I end with that is a great example to visualize as a fan is think about how many times you watch the Eagles and you watch Zach Cunningham or Nicholas Morrow just totally unblocked. And that's because of how often the Eagles are on five-man fronts. You need two men on Jordan Davis. You quite often have to double Jaden Carter or Fletcher Cox as well. Unless you're playing two tight ends, every single run snap, there's going to be a linebacker that's unblocked. It doesn't mean the play has to be blown up every time. But think how often you see Cunningham or Morrow just come completely free and it's because the five-man front sort of take away that zone element. Um, so that's a big reason why. It's just harder to get to the second level, and that's what the zone running game is all about. When you get to the second level, you create gaps. 
for the running back to find. It's it's just the whole point of the zone running game is basically getting your offensive lineman to the second level, and that creates natural angles that you need. Um, I want to talk about the RPO game as well. The numbers are not as bad as I thought. So I thought the Eagles RPO game has been pretty poor this year until about the last month. So the numbers are not as bad as I expected, but they have definitely run it less than last year and they've definitely been less successful. So they run it the seventh highest amount this year. Last year, they ran it the fourth highest amount. They're down a few percentage points. They've dropped from uh, fourth. No, they've dropped third in success rate to 11th in success rate. So that once again, they're dropping and their success rate has dropped from 55% to 43%. The big thing for me is, and there's actually a clip in the article, um, if you could put it up, with the Eagles against the Cowboys last year. And they threw against, and a lot of you probably remember this play, it was against uh, Trayvon Diggs. They threw a sluggo. So it was like an RPO, but they faked like a slant flat, which is a common RPO. And they threw it down the field to um, AJ Brown, who didn't score annoyingly. And I'm pretty sure the Eagles kicked a field goal as well. So, um, but that's a classic short. And funny enough, it was interesting that Minshew was actually in there because they used so many RPOs when Minshew was in the game. I think that's just something he was good at. But this year, we haven't seen the offense expand. Every RPO that I like is RPO glance. It's RPO slant flat. It's RPO stick. It's basically run pass option with short routes available. We haven't seen them open up the playbook. When you watch the, I talk a lot about the Dolphins offense, which I know annoys people in the article, but they do some really cool stuff. Like you can run post wheel. Um, you can run double post. You can run post cross. Teams are getting really good at almost running their full menu of plays off this RPO look. The problem is I think the Eagles got called a lot early on for offensive linemen downfield. And I think it scared them a little bit because penalties 10 yards is an absolute killer. So I think it's made them a little bit nervous. They have definitely got better at running RPOs of late. Some of it might tie into Hurts' mobility as well, but I think a bit of, some of that's a bit of an excuse because a lot of teams without mobile quarterbacks run a lot of RPOs as well. So I think, I think they were scared early on in the season by the number of penalties they gave away. But I would now love to see, right, what's the next step? Can we start running a few more concepts off this run pass option? Look, because the Eagles do face a lot of heavy boxes still. They can they can take advantage of that by throwing it more. It would annoy the run pass ratio people online because there <laughs> might be a few more throws when teams keep stacking the box. Um, but I think the RPO game is something they could work on. And the last improvement before I throw it back to you is the screen game as well. For this team with some of the most athletic freaks offensive line you'll ever see in Jason Kelsey, for them to rank 19th in screen passes and 15th in success rate just isn't good enough. This team has no reason why it should not be better in the screen game. It has everything you need in terms of receivers that can get yards after the catch. It's got tight ends that can run after the catch. It isn't Zach Ertz anymore who gets catches the ball and goes down. They've also got five offensive linemen who are good in space not like one or two i mean basically every lineman they've got is mobile and athletic i don't see a reason why the eagles should be this week in the screen game and it feels like a common theme that there's a lot of busted screens so the two areas i really want to see improve um, as well as the obvious one which is turnovers but i won't talk about turnovers too much now but screen game rpo game i think there's something there and i have a feeling that this is something the coaching staff will be looking at and considering how they can improve over the second half of the season. Yeah, another thing I want to see is more pony personnel. That's one of my favorites. I've been talking about pony personnel for over two years. Um, that Again, that's two running backs on the field. The Eagles have only been in pony personnel for 11 plays this season. 
but they have the highest EPA in the league, 0.74 per play out of it, especially now that Dallas Goddard's gone. I don't need to see a lot of snaps of Jack Stoll or of Grant Calcaterra out there. Give me two running backs in the backfield. Give me three receivers. You know, you have that like triple option look that they ran earlier this year. You can do a lot of cool things out of pony personnel. Uh, It allows you, it enables you to run out of the shotgun, which is what they want to do without tipping which side the play is going to go to. Uh, It gives you check down options out of the backfield, max protect options. It gives you a lot of options. There's a lot of versatility uh, to two back looks. And so I would like to see the Eagles build out that pony package and roll it out more. I mean, the jet suite to DeAndre Swift with Kenny Gainwell lead blocking was another great one. Some of the coolest plays the Eagles have designed have been out of those looks. They just haven't done it very often this season. That's insane. They've 11 times. I hadn't. Yeah, that's mad. When, off the top of my head, I can think of five of the coolest designs this year from Pony Personnel. Basically, every time they run it, it's a cool design. Um, yeah, I mentioned that in the article, actually, while we're, uh, this isn't a criticism, it's a question. So I'm trying to think of things that the Eagles might consider. So I'm not going to discuss them all, but for example, one of them was, what do we do about Dallas Goddard? And my answer was basically, I think more pony personnel. The other question was about Rashad Penny. We've already hit on him earlier on. Um, yeah, that's, that's absolutely insane. I think pony personnel was such a useful package for teams with two running backs. I think Kenny Gainwell was better than people think in some ways as well and i think he's a legitimately decent blocker and i think he's quite willing to do like a sort of hybrid fullback type role um it's just about diversifying what you can do on offense the best offenses just do a lot so if there's no magic button there's no one way is better than another way um it's just it gives you different things you can do probably my favorite example of pony personnel was i think against the uh cowboys it possibly was against the cowboys when they had two um run it when they had deandre swift lined up as a receiver and motioned back into the backfield because basically the cowboys didn't know how to react so they didn't really move they left the quarterback out there so the eagles went plus one in the box instantly if deandre swift had started in the backfield i'm almost convinced the cowboys would have lined up differently they didn't know how to react that that wasn't something they had game planned for you can you can literally see the defense thinking this is not something we've seen on film before but what it also did that i really liked was it just gave them a completely different angle to the play because Kenny Gainwell was able to get out to the right, almost like a full block, a full block, almost like a fullback, <laughs> and make a really nice block on the edge. Um, that is an insane stat. I wish I knew that for my article. For them to have 11 this year, and it feels like half of them have been really good as well. Mm-hmm. Without Dallas Goddard, that feels like that has to be part of the offense. Um, you would think that must be a given that the Eagles are looking at how they can get better um, from that personnel package, because that feels like something they can really build around and take to another level if they want to. Um, I think you can tie that in with the RPO and the screen game as well. I think there's so much you can do off pony personnel that you could almost tie the three together. Yeah, that's incredible. 11. That's really shocked me. Like, really shocked me. Um, They need to be doing that more because it feels like it works every time they do it. Yeah, I was trying to filter by, like, minimum pass attempts, and the Eagles kept not showing up when I was filtering in pony personnel, and I was like, Okay, how many plays did they run? And it's only eleven at one point seven percent of their snaps. So that's that. That was wild. I would not have guessed that because the really cool designs they stick out in my head, and there's been like six or seven of them. And so apparently every time they go pony personnel, it's a really cool design that I just remember. Yeah, that's mad. And the final thing I mentioned, and then we'll move on from the offense because we said we'd be quick, and then we always just go down a rabbit hole. Is the Eagles ranked thirty second in motion this year? Um, 
there was a great quote from, I mentioned this in your article, Nick Sirianni was asked a few years ago about ranking, I think, 20th or something. And I think his exact response was something like, we don't want to be bottom half of the league at anything. And that was sort of seen as a criticism by some people online, because I think it was Sirianni's way of saying, I don't really have a philosophy. My philosophy is we're going to be good at everything. Um, the philosophy is we don't use motion. I'm not here to tell you motion's good. It's not as simple as more motion is better. Otherwise, everyone would do it 100% of the time. Um, there are benefits to not running motion, such as the quarterback picture doesn't change. The defense remains static. It, motion can mess with an offense just as much as it can mess with a defense. Um, there are also basic mistakes you can make, like your wide receiver running into your running back on a crucial third down at the end of the game against your rivals. Um, but it feels like there's definitely something there. I think in the running game, people think motion is passing game because of the Dolphins, but I think you can use uh, motion in the running game a lot better as well so the eagles are struggling at the moment a little bit with the running game i think something simple like running a motion from one side of the field to the other and getting a receiver already moving to add an extra blocker uh, i think there's things they can do with motion as well and it's not really do i want them running it more i i think i do because when they run it they're actually really effective from when they use motion but 30 seconds feels a little bit too low i'd be okay with bottom half mm -hmm. um but I'm not sure I want the Eagles to be 32nd in motion when I look around the league and see what the really good offences are doing. But again, there's lots of ways of winning in this league and it's not a criticism, that one, because I don't want to criticise the offence too much because they've been good. It's more of just a question of I would like to ask Sirianni, are you happy being bottom in the NFL in terms of using motion? Or do you think that is something that the Eagles offence should maybe use a little bit more? Yeah. Um, it, and I know it's it's hard to marry like tempo with motion, uh, generally teams that are really high in one are on the lower end in another because there's a lot going on pre-snap. But I don't. It doesn't feel like the Eagles have been as tempo oriented. Uh, their no huddle rate is only tenth in the league this year, whereas it's been higher in the past. They're only going no huddle on about fourteen percent of their snaps, and so as that has fallen, which is fine, but as it's fallen, that motion rate hasn't come back towards you know the equilibrium like the no huddle rate has so i would like to see more motion there and again some of the coolest plays that they've had the little motion where they motion dallas goddard on the speed out to lead block for Devonta smith the the triple option play all those sorts of plays motion and so getting more things like that in the offense uh, would be really nice coming out of the bye week so we're going to throw it to a quick break and then we will come back and we're going to talk top defensive things we're thinking about the second half of the season and areas we would like to see the Eagles improve. So stay tuned right here to On the Shane page. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We are back here on the Shane page talking about the Eagles defense. What would Johnny and I be talking about if we were in the coach's room, self-scouting defensive performance from the first half of the season, looking ahead to things that we could make better. Again, Johnny has a great article up on this, a mid-season defense review on Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure you go check that out. Johnny, uh, lead us off here. What's one of the biggest strengths you've seen from the defense so far this year? Yeah, I feel like the defense one is maybe a little bit more obvious. I feel like most fans would probably say a similar thing. So I think maybe looking at the areas to improve is quite interesting for this one. The biggest strength is quite obviously to me the play of the defensive line. You can count the edge defenders in that as well. Um, Jordan Davis, Jaden Carter, Fletcher Cox, uh, Milton Williams have all been really good. I think you can make an argument that the Eagles have like four top 20, top 25 players. Um, Milton Williams is the most underrated one, I still think, because he's not a big name, but he's been really good since he started playing as a rookie. Um, I don't think there's much to say there. They're just a very, very dominant defensive line. That ties into my next thing, which is they're very good against the run. I think the Eagles' mindset has totally changed against the run this year. Their gap discipline is better. Their gap fits are better, but also just the aggressive way they play against the run. Stopping the run is much about a mindset. It is about X and O's. You've got to want to get downhill quicker. You've got to want to try and stop the offense from gaining four or five yards easily. Um, I don't think there's too much to say on the defensive line in, in without sounding too repetitive of what other people have said. They're very, very good. The way they're used, I really like. The way they're rotated, I really like. I like the use of four and five-man fronts. It feels more game-specific than last year. Last year, it felt they have to be in a five-man front to have any sort of success. This year is not the case. And I think if you're going to talk about edge defenders as well, I'm not sure there's many better duos than Joshua and Hassan Reddick this year. Um, I thought it was pretty incredible that I was looking at how good Hassan Reddick had been at the end of games. And then I found a tweet that I think you quote tweeted um, from Andrew, who I think writes for Inside the Birds. So I'll double check that. Yes, he does. So I got that correct, which is always good. And he said Joshua is fourth in the NFL in pressures. And leads the league with 21 fourth quarter slash overtime pressures. So it's not just Hassan Reddick who maybe seals the attention at the end. I think Josh Sweat is like has legitimately gone to another level this year. Um, I think he's gone under the radar slightly amongst the Eagles fan base because I think Reddick's more of a splash player. But yeah, I think my big, big strengths for this defense is if anyone's looking at why you don't want to play against this defense, it's not the linebackers, it's not the secondary, it is the front. It's an incredibly good defensive tackle unit. Those two starting edge defenders are really good. We'll get into some of the concerns later about what happens if they aren't there. But run defense, pass rush, the front four um, or front five, however you want to call them, have just had a really, really good year. And I think the way that Sean Desire, whatever you think about his defense so far, has got the run game, has got the run defense playing, is a huge positive sign because the Eagles' nickel run defense fits last year were appalling at times. Um, quite frankly, they were really poor. They asked too much of their quarterbacks, too much of their safeties. They were outnumbered in the box. It wasn't a case of players playing badly. It was a simple case of they didn't have the bodies in the box to deal with it. This year, they're doing a lot better. And it's interesting because they're running a lot of light boxes and two high looks. I think people get confused about quarters defense in the NFL. And people think quarters is a negative run defense because they see two high safeties back. Quarters actually can quite often put your safeties in as part of your run fits. 
So I actually think quarters can be quite an aggressive way. Sometimes single high is actually easier to run against because if you get a safety coming down in the box and he's obviously, let's take your traditional Seattle Cam Chancellor is on one side of a defense. You quite simply run away from him and he has to travel a long distance to get there. Whereas the benefit of quarters is you can get both safeties coming up relatively quickly if they're playing aggressive. And I think the Eagles are playing a lot of light boxes. They're playing a lot of too high. And that lends people to think that they're still quite passive against the run. Um, but they are not. They are incredibly focused on stopping the run. They are incredibly good on early downs against the run. And yeah, credit the coaching staff and credit the defensive line because they have definitely been the biggest strength of this defense so far this year. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Davis has looked like a different player. Um, I was really high on Jordan Davis. I had him as my number seven overall player in that draft. I was thrilled when the Eagles uh, took him although Kyle Hamilton was my number one player that year, and he was on the board that stung a little. But Jordan Davis has been a different player this year. He's been really impactful. Uh, my And I've got some concerns here, but my concern is that since popping up on the injury report, he hasn't played over 25% of the snaps either of the last two weeks after playing over 35% in each of the two games prior. And part of what you've seen because of that is Fletcher Cox is playing really well, but he's playing too much. He's played 75% of the snaps this year. And last year he only played 65%. So he's a year older playing more. Uh, Jalen Carter's looked phenomenal. He's on pace for seven and a half sacks and 55 pressures, which is just unheard of. And then I know this is a concern for you, but Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat are playing so good on the edge but Sweat is playing 84% of the snaps, up from 53% last year. Reddick is playing 82%, up 74% from last year. So I do worry about that wearing down as the season goes on. The thing I'm most concerned about, though, is Jordan Davis being able to get back on the field 35 to 40% of the snaps, because I do think he's a huge part of this run defense being good. And the run defense has been so good, despite the fact that they've increased their light box count from 56 to 66% of the plays because the linebackers flow downhill really hard. But also, the pass rush is rushing with less reckless abandon. They're being more structurally sound in the way that they rush because you have to play the run as well. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. And I think that's good most of the time. And I want to get your thoughts on this. So I was looking up all kinds of different uh, tendencies and things over the bye week. And one of the ones that I noticed is the Eagles defense has the second best EPA per play allowed when facing empty so far this season. And I think one of the things, you know, we've talked about the advantages empty gives the offense. The defense has to declare what kind of coverage they're playing. There's less you can do. It spreads you out. But one of the advantages it gives the defense is for the most part, it eliminates the possibility of a running play. And I think one of the big reasons the Eagles defense has been so good facing empty is it allows Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat to really tee off as pass rushers the way that they did last year. And so one of the things I thought as I was looking at this is, you know, step one is I want the secondary to step up and the defensive front to continue playing the same way that they have been. But if that doesn't happen, I would almost like to see a little more of a pass rush focus at the expense of run defense from the defense because they've been so good when the offense has to pass. They've been so good against running in general. Maybe you could, you know, if you're just dialing it in, maybe you could sacrifice a little bit of that run defense to influence the passer just a little bit more. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but 
that's something I came across as I was digging through things over the bye week. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, my thoughts would all come back to Jordan Davis. Um, I am terrified of Jordan Davis, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of his. But I, I, whenever I saw the numbers about he played like 30% of the stats in college, I, I just can't help but feel there's a reason for that. And he has not been the same since he came back. And he hasn't played as much. What you said about teeing off, um, I would be fine for it. But I would want to see a healthy Davis, Cox and Carter on the field. Because I think you're going to have to rely even more on your defensive lineman interior. Um, without him, I worry a little bit. I, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know if you saw, but for the Saints, but Contevia Street has actually been playing quite well. And mm. he, he was actually quite a good player when I scouted him as well. And I think the Eagles just had too much depth at some point. But uh, there's just no natural Jordan Davis replacement. He, he, your whole defense structurally changes without him. Think about what we said earlier on about the zone running game and the gap skiing game for listeners and just picture a defensive tackle who has to have two men on him at all times. I hate the phrase... Um, he's double teamed because anyone can get double teamed. I can go and stand there and two men can block me. Um, the question is, does he sustain it? Does he stop the center or the guard from getting to the second level? And he does. In fact, he quite often wins against two of them to get <laughs> not letting them get to the second level. He actually has success. His anchor is incredible. He does not move back. Um, a good way of watching a good defensive line on a good defensive line is just don't watch the ball. Just stare at the line and see if see if there's any movement. The amount of times I've watched the Eagles this year and the defensive line just stays exactly where they are. Like, they're very disciplined. They do not uh, get pushed back. They anchor really well. Biggest concern for me this year is the depth on the defensive line. I was a little bit surprised the Eagles didn't make a move for an edge rusher because I think going into your point, I wonder how much you can tell Reddick and Sweat to go full out 50, 60 times a game. I, I don't know if they have the capacity to do that. It almost feels a little bit to me like they're saving themselves for the end of games because both of them, are consistently outstanding at the end. Now, some of that could be what you've said. They're in obvious passing situations. So that's when they get to really let their sort of head down and go after the quarterback. But I think probably some of that is they're human and you cannot play 100% every single snap. No one can. They're probably picking and choosing their moments as to when to go fall out. And both of them are excelling at the end. I think the depth is a problem. I worry about the run fits without Jordan Davis. Um, because I think, yes, they can play someone else as a nose tackle, but they won't be able to come on double teams the same way. And that changes everything you do structurally. And I have a huge concern about the edge depth as well. Um, Barnett being an active did surprise me because he could at least line up. Um, I'm not there with Nolan Smith at all yet. I just haven't seen it. He doesn't look at all ready to me. And if one of them goes down, I think we're in a little bit panic stations of Sweat and Reddick, but not just if one of them gets injured. It's the general fatigue and wear and tear of the season. I think it's a long season, and I think the best defences that rush the pass up rotate a lot. And I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the Eagles maybe sometimes are too fixated on stopping the run from a defensive line perspective. I imagine the idea is that they don't almost need the edge defenders a lot of the time because they're so good from the interior. So a lot of the edge are almost playing contain and not getting too far upfield because they trusted the interior defensive line. But for me... I know we're sort of moving on here to areas for improvement. That's the biggest question for me is what's the plan edge? What's the plan if Jordan Davis can't play more than 30, 40% of the snaps each week? Because as good as the defense has been, it feels like they're not far away from removing a few of those key building blocks and the whole thing could come crumbling down because if the run defense gets worse, the defense is in trouble because the secondary is not playing at a high enough level yet to survive being able to get run on as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's transition to talking about some of those. Or, well, for do you have any other strengths that you wanted to mention before we get into the um, No, I would say, I mean, I say no, but I'm going to give you one. Um, just uh, simulated pressures, I think, have been better. I think the idea that, um, and I think there's a really interesting debate, debate, actually, which we won't, I could spend hours on about do the Eagles not blitz enough. And I think I might actually think they need to blitz a little bit more. And I think there are reasons for that. But I think some of that could just be getting quarterbacks out of sync and out of rhythm. I think that was a criticism I had last year. I think I love looking at EPA numbers and I love looking at data, but I sometimes feel like you've got to put a quarterback under a bit of pressure a little bit more. And I feel like the Eagles just don't blitz anymore. All of their pressures are simulated pressures, basically. When you see a linebacker blitz, you think, oh, they're blitzing. They're not. They're rushing four. They're dropping an edge. So I'd like to see as good as I've, as, as happy as I am with the simulated pressures, I would like to see some more blitzes. And I do think if we're being credit, being giving credit to Sean Desire, um, they have better specific game plans this year. So they seem to do certain things. Some games they run up with a lot of four-man fronts. Some games it's five-man fronts. Some games, um, you can tell against the Dolphins, they were very disciplined at taking away the middle of the field. Last year, it felt very much, this is how we play defense. This is how we're going to do it. This year feels a bit more specific. However, I will transition nicely onto my areas for improvement. When I was looking at the Eagles defense against top wide receivers this year, the numbers are outrageous. So CD Lamb, 11 for 191, career best. Cooper Cup, 8 for 115, first game back from an injury. Justin Jefferson, 11 for 159. Um, I'm not going to do the maths because I can't be bothered, but you add up those and that's not very good. And I think you can say, yeah, it's hard stopping good receivers. Of course it's hard stopping good receivers. Otherwise they wouldn't be fantastic. But I think there's a difference between nine for 89 and one or seven for 101 and 11 for 191. Like there's a difference between, oh, he's really good, but he had, he, we had a few plays against us and he has absolutely killed us. I mean, giving up 191 yards to CD Lamb when he's the only main receiving threat is a complete disaster. And the other thing that annoys me is I think back to those 11, I think back to Justin Jefferson's 11 and Cooper Cup's eight. How many times were they against double coverage or against Slay? Um, they felt like they were all against poor nickel cornerbacks or against Sidney Brown or against... It, it didn't feel like we made it hard for them. Like, so when AJ Brown goes and makes a stupid one-handed catch in the end zone, like he did against Washington, no one is blaming the defensive coordinator. There is nothing you can do about that. I didn't see C.D. Lamb do that against the Eagles. I saw him catch passes that he should be making running routes that should have come open. And it gets worse when you consider the fact that he was a couple of re-blankenship pass interference calls away from going 13 and catches and 200 yards plus, which just sounds absurd. So the Eagles have got to consider the whole defensive structure and how they handle star wide receivers because I'm crediting Desire for being a bit more specific in certain games. But those numbers are pretty striking. I didn't look at every game and look at what other receivers have done against the Eagles, but those three numbers in particular really stand out. Yeah, I mean, if you do if you do go look at them, it's just Justin Jefferson, best game of the year was against the Eagles. Terry McLaurin's second best game of the year was against the Eagles. CeeDee Lamb's best game of the year against the Eagles. Cooper Cup's best game of the year against the Eagles. You can go back to week one and Kendrick Bourne, had, he had, he's had more yardage in one other game, but second most yardage and he scored two touchdowns against the Eagles and you just go back and look and it's like every game somebody is going off against the Eagles and you've got to be able to handle that and you especially have to be able to handle that because you're about to play Travis Kelsey 
and then you're about to play Stefan Diggs, and then you're about to play CD Lamb. And those are three guys who are by far the best option on their team. And then you've got potential playoff matchups with CD Lamb again, Amon Ross St. Brown, who's really only the past, the only receiving weapon the Lions have. You need to be able to eliminate these options. And uh, Johnny, I don't know if you see when I put these out, but I put out a graphic every Saturday that's my four keys to an Eagles victory, and I give two offense and two defense. And so uh, those haven't posted yet for this week, but I'll tell you what they are on defense. My number one key was don't let Travis Kelsey beat you. And my second key was don't let Travis Kelsey beat you. Like, that's it. That's it. Stop Travis Kelsey, you win the game. And and I don't have a lot of confidence the Eagles are going to do that because they have struggled so, so much. And from my perspective, there's two huge issues at play there. Uh, One, and we've talked about this, you have to get a dime package. You simply have to. You cannot allow the Cowboys to come out with four wide receivers on the 12 yard line with 20 seconds left and match it with nickel personnel and ask Zach Cunningham to cover a slot receiver one-on-one. You cannot do that. Um, You also have to be willing to let Slay travel a little more. So the Eagles are obsessed with playing man coverage from zone alignments. And what that means is your boundary corners are at the boundary, your slot receivers in the slot, And the reason you like that is it all looks the same, right? We can rotate, we can play man, we can play zone. We're not giving things away pre-snap, which is great. The downside is you end up with Reed Blankenship matched up on CeeDee Lamb because they go three receivers on one side. So you've got your corner and your slot corner over there. But instead of bringing James Bradbury across the formation to play man coverage, which the Eagles are playing a lot of man coverage this year, you have to cover him with a safety. Uh, you can go out to empty and now you can get Zach Cunningham matched up with the number two receiver on the weak side of the formation, which you could make CD lamb. You could put your tight end out there. And so you're allowing the problem with it is you allow the defense to dictate matchups. And I think the Eagles are a little too obsessed with that at times. It's good. It has a place, but I think that you need to mix that up some more. It, everything doesn't always have to look the same pre-snap. It's okay to walk out on third and eight and say, you know what? We are playing man coverage and we are going to press CD lamb. We are going to press Travis Kelsey with our best defender. And you're just going to have to beat it. And that's something the Eagles haven't been remarkably willing to do. And when they have been willing to do it at the end of the Cowboys game, fourth down, uh, they very intentionally tip pre-snap. We are bracketing CD lamb. And Dak throws the other way and you get a good coverage one-on-one, a pass breakup, you get off the field. So I'm not saying you should abandon that. It's great, but you need more tools in the tool chest. And that's one of the things I I would like to see the Eagles start playing more man alignment. And you can line up in a man alignment and still spin into zone coverage. It's harder, but you can do it and you can throw quarterbacks off in the same way. So I would like to see a little more varied pre-snap looks. The Eagles are varying their coverage a lot after the snap but it always looks the same before the snap. And that's where I think a lot of the problems come from. Yeah. I think it's a philosophical, um, this thing about the Eagles defense where they want it to look static. That's like, it goes back to this whole Fangio idea of like, it's meant to look every snap is the same. And um, there's a few other things I have about this. I think the Eagles are just running so much man coverage this year. Um, so much man coverage. And I think that also lends itself to being very 
um, easy to line up in the same place because you just leave Slay on one side, leave Bradbury on the other side. And it's also very easy to run because it's not as confusing. And the Eagles have suffered injuries this year. And zone is much more about passing off receivers. And you've got a new safety there and you've got a different slot cornerback every week. And at the end of the day, it's not rocket science to go and tell Sidney Brown, go and play man coverage in the slot. It's much harder to tell him, right, we're going to play zone coverage and you're in a hook flat zone and you've got to pass off X. And if the slot receiver runs out, then cover him if he runs vertical, cover him if he runs in, shout something and pass him off to the other quarter safety. Like, it's harder. We've all played Madden. We've all played football in the garden. It's Man coverage is a hell of a lot easier to run. So I think the Eagles have got to make a big decision about sort of the way their defense is going to go. Um, we could tie that into stacks and bunches as well, which everyone knew, knows we're going to talk about because it's a huge issue. And it's really obvious why the Eagles are bad against stacks and bunches. Like anyone can do it. So picture a three-by-one set. Um, the offense has got three receivers on one side and one receiver on the other side. And let's say the Eagles come out in a five-man front on first down. Well, do the maths. There's a five-man front. That's five defenders. There are two high safeties because the Eagles are desperate to live in a two-high world. Now you've got seven. They obviously have to have a linebacker on the field. You know, no one runs a defense with five zero two. So there's your five defensive linemen. There's your one linebacker, and there's your two deep safeties. You only have enough men to go one on one, to go one on one on the outside. So you are naturally going to be free on free on the outside, and that lends itself to man coverage, and that lends itself to bunches just being incredibly easy to pick the defense off. People say like, well, "Why are they doing it?" And it's not like they want to be three on three every defense wants to be plus one in coverage it's the whole point of defense but it goes back to this idea of we're not going to give up explosive plays which is still a huge philosophical thing that comes from the top down from Siriani. he's obsessed with it well if the the offense runs a bunch look and you have two high safeties and you've got man coverage you're probably not going to get burned deep but you're going to give up 12 yards to a slant you're going to give up 10 yards to an in um and i feel like they're a bit too obsessed i think i don't know if you see actually there was a stat that i did not put in the article that i was meant to um, from explosive players this year and this is great podcasting i'm trying to find it while i'm talking and i probably won't but the eagles offense is really good against explosive plays oh, no sorry defense is really good against explosive plays i think they are something like in the top seven or eight off the top of my head and they don't give up many explosive plays and it's because they have that too high shell there a lot but i think the downside is they're just really really struggling um to stop a lot of these bunches a lot of these stacks a lot of these shorter routes from killing them uh, while waffling, I have managed to find a stat. Most explosive plays allowed in the 2023 season from 1 to 10. It's only 11 explosive rush plays, which is 7.5, and 31 explosive pass plays, 7.2. That puts them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, joint uh, fifth, um, with 42 explosive plays allowed. Uh, the bottom is Detroit with 37, which is surprising. And the most explosive plays allowed are great defenses like, you know, New York Giants up there, etc. LA Chargers who are horrendous on defense. So I think you could argue that the Eagles plan is working. And I think more than anything, Sirianni top down believes in explosive plays. That is how you win football games. And I think that too high safety look and that five man front, you sort of don't really have any other option but to go to man and be free on free. And I really want to see the Eagles expand a little bit and maybe take a risk against the run, which maybe goes back to your earlier point about playing the pass a little bit more than solely the run. Trying Jordan Davis as a free tech so we can get this four man front thing going. We haven't seen that much of late with Jordan Davis. Um, and then what you can do is you can go to triangle coverage if they've got a 
stack with two triangle, very simple, three defenders in a triangle. You're three over two. You pass off the routes depending on where they run. Or box coverage, very simple. Think of four defenders, draw a line between each of them and you get a box. And you can play four over three. And that just allows you to pass off routes. And what it does is it prevents mismatches. So it prevents a Eli Ricks covering CD Lamb because it's not about the individual. It's about a group of defenders. It means you can have eyes on a specific player because you can bracket him a lot easier. So you can sort of say that if CD Lamb goes into a certain area, we'll have two eyes on him rather than one. Um, everything has a cost. Everything's got negativity in NFL. And if you play more box coverages with triangle coverage, well, it's pretty obvious you've got less in the box against the run. But I feel like the Eagles are coming to a crunch point of the season if you want to say and it's going to be fascinating to see the next few weeks because we're going to learn very quickly if they've learned their lessons because if they haven't i mean travis kelsey travis kelsey can kill everyone and he's almost a weird case because he does it from the inside so it's harder to get someone like slay on him but when you've got as you mentioned stefan diggs and um, the 49ers are really hard because they've got so many weapons but then they'll take the cowboys again and you get cd lamb and then you get dk metcalf who i think is clearly the seahawks number one i think we're going to have a good chance of seeing how the eagles respond i'm so interested for the bills and cowboys game because i think they are the two where the team has one weapon and it's a receiver and it's a great case study for has this eagles defense learn how to take away number one receivers and again i'm not expecting cd lamb to go two catches for 34 yards but there's a way you can win make them actually have to work for it it didn't feel like cd lamb was even particularly special when he went for one nine one against us and that cannot happen at least make him do a toe dragging one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone with darius slay draped all over him and you say do you know what fair play the guy's really good but we didn't make it like that it wasn't like that it was simple cd lamb with no motion lining up on the slot against eli ricks and it was obvious before the play even happened what was going to happen um so yeah i said that what i said i wouldn't do was waffle about pass coverage again and then i've spoken about pass coverage again um i think it's just a bit of my obsession at the moment that i really think the eagles have to have a plan because they are going to see elite wide receivers in the playoffs and if they don't have a plan i'm it's going to come back to bite them i'm almost certain of it um so they need to get something sorted yeah what what was the overall rank you said they were for explosive plays uh it was top five joint fifth or something which is impressive because if you look at explosive offenses uh here's the teams they've played so far the vikings who rank number one the cowboys who rank number four the rams are six the dolphins are eighth they've played the commanders who are ninth twice and the buccaneers who are tenth so out of the top 10 teams in terms of explosive plays there's only three of those teams they haven't played they've played seven of the top 10 they've played one of them twice and they don't allow explosive plays and it, but again, it's one of those things where if you become too dedicated to something, it's the law of diminishing returns, right? You can go so overboard trying to prevent explosive plays that you're not getting that much more. I mean, you could put four safeties 40 yards deep and not give up explosive plays, but you would tank everything else about your defense. In some instances, just like I wish they would play the pass more, I wish they would be a little less, not a lot, just a little less concerned with the explosive plays. And I do think it would help that death by a thousand paper cuts. And this is why football is so tricky because most sensible minds, I think, would say, how do you win? You get explosive plays, you give up, ex and you don't give up explosive plays. Like, I get it. But the Eagles are really obsessed with it. And we've said this all for a while. And you can go back and look at Sirianni quotes from when he was hired and you can see that is the Eagles' focus. People say, what does Sirianni do? 
It's Brian Johnson running the offense. There's I running the defense. Like, what role does he have? That is what he has. He's the top. He sets the tone. He sets the agenda, shall we say. Um, if you want to coordinate for this Eagles team, you're going to have to stop defensive plays on defense and you're going to have to uh, create explosive plays on offense. So I think it's just something to monitor how the pass defense goes. Um, but that's the big one for me. I'm looking at my list. I've already mentioned blitzing. I've mentioned edge. I've sort of, to be honest, I feel like I've combined everything else I was going to say. So I'm looking at my list and I'm thinking that for once I'm actually out of things to say, Shane. So is there anything else you wanted to add? Because obviously um, you didn't write this week like I did for all these words. So there might have been something you missed. Is there anything that uh, you think I missed or any obvious points that you want to add before we get out of there? No, I think that really covers it. Um, you know, if we were, if I was sitting in the room, those are the things that I would be talking about. Uh, your articles did a great job kind of providing a reference point. So again, if you guys are listening to this and an hour and a half or an hour and five minute conversation wasn't enough, go check out Johnny's articles. There's lots of clips in there that we're not showing live with this one. No film thread for this episode. Uh, so be sure you go check that out. He's got it all in a real organized format that'll help you guys track along with it. If you're enjoying the show, again, be sure and give us five-star ratings and reviews. Uh, those reviews on Apple Podcasts especially really help get the podcast out there to people. Uh, comments, thumbs up on the video on YouTube also really help the algorithm to try to get this show out to more people. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're not sure uh, how in-depth next week's episode is going to be with Monday Night Football we may or may not get the film until like Wednesday morning, Thursday's Thanksgiving for me, I'll be traveling. So we have to record Wednesday. So we're going to do the best we can uh, cross your finger that the NFL all 22 gods see fit to put the all 22 film out Monday night for me. So we can really get into it. But uh, thank you guys for joining this episode of the Shane page. We will catch you guys next week for another hopefully in-depth film breakdown of an Eagles victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. So till then, go Birds.